Okay, we're going to begin here on the bottom of Midbet, mid, 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 the last line. Torah Banan. Ein mechabdin, lo bidrachim, velo bigisharim, velo biyadayim mezuhamot. When it comes to these three locations or activities, we do not give deference to one who is of greater stature. That means that if one is on the road, he doesn't have to defer to someone who is greater in stature than him. Tosafot points out that's only if, by happenstance or circumstance, they bumped into each other on the road. If they set out together on the road, then there is this idea of giving deference to the one who is Yoter Gadol. And the same is true of Gisharim, and the same is true of dirty hands, meaning for Maimachronim. When it comes to Maimachronim, again, there's no hierarchy in terms of Kavod. And first come, first serve. Ravin v'Abaye v'Ka'azli b'Orcha Kadme Chamre d'Ravin l'Abaye. So Ravin and Abaye were traveling together. And then Ravin's Chamor went ahead of Abaye's And he did not give deference to Abaye and say, Master, you should go first. Since Ravin came from Eretz Yisrael, Ravin used to travel, travel frequently between Eretz Yisrael and Bavel, and he used to bring Memrod from Rabbi Yochanan. So maybe because he goes to Eretz Yisrael so often, he feels a little bit more haughty of a higher stature, and that's why he's not giving deference to me about it. When they reached the doorway of the shul, then all of a sudden Ulai gave deference to Abai and says, Abai, please go in first. So Abayi says to him, until now I'm not a master. You didn't give me deference when we were traveling. Now all of a sudden you want to give me that respect when it's coming to entering the shul. Amalei, hachamari Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi says, I do have a member from Rabbi That you only give kavod in a doorway that has a mezuzah on it. Only if it has a mezuzah do you give that respect or kavod, but not if it doesn't. Which do not require mezuzot. There is a minhag to put mezuzot on them, but they do not require mezuzot. So over there you won't have to give kavod or deference to someone who is of higher stature. A doorway that would be chayav in mezuzah if it weren't for the fact that it was a beit knesset, a beit midrash, whatever other room that it is that would be patur mi The idea being that deference or giving respect is only important when you're going through a doorway. And therefore, Ravin only gave that respect to Abaye when they entered into the shul, but when they were traveling on the way, like the previous bright that we brought, we said that Eimechabdin bidrachim, that we do not give honor when people are traveling. Because at doorways, it is clear when one person gives deference or respect to the others, because it's a finite space where people have to enter through. And therefore, that's where we demand that you give kavod. But then when you're talking about openings or on the road, where you might be able to see or tell, but there it's not as important because it's not as defined and structured that one could say that the kavod is being given when one gives deference or precedence to the other. The people who sit down to the meal are not allowed to partake of their meal until the one who broke the bread has tasted of the bread. Yati begav safar kamar li omit mar. That the subim cannot eat until the person who broke the bread has tasted the bread. So Rav Safar question: why was the term lit om used? Lit om means even the smallest morsel, the smallest taste. Over here we're talking about the botzea eating the bread, not necessarily being toim. So he says, so what halachic ramification does that have? The answer is, There is no halachic ramification in terms of the word tima, but that's how he heard the memra from his rebbe. And therefore he said it over with the word tima, and even though it had no halachic ramification. When two people are eating, they have to defer to each other. That means if 
they're eating out of the same dish. If one stops to eat, the other one must stop. If one does eat, the other one can't eat. Meaning that they have to work on the same schedule. Whereas Shloshayim obtaining, when there are three around, then we don't have that requirement. If one stops, the other two can continue. They don't have to afford kavod to each other when they're eating from the same dish. The person who breaks the bread is the one who can take from the center dish or the sheer dish first. If he wants to give kavod to his rebbe or to someone who is greater than him, or should be a do, he has that right. So Rabbi Barchanana was working on a shidduch for his son in the house of Shmuel Barav Katina. So he went ahead and he sat down and he was teaching his son. The botzea cannot go ahead and break the bread until after the people who heard his bracha have completed the Amen. And as Rashi points out, that that Amen is an integral part of the bracha, and therefore he cannot break the bread until the bracha is completed. You don't have to wait for everybody to finish the Amen, but just the majority of people to finish saying Amen. When you have the rove, what's the difference? Because the bracha is not finished. The minority that remain, that haven't finished saying Amen, the bracha for them has not ended. Because my position is that someone who stretches out this Amen, they are making a mistake. And by stretching out the Amen, they're causing the problem for themselves. And therefore I say, after the robe have gone, we cut it off, because that's the longest that the Amen should be. Those people that are extending or drawing out the Amen are doing something incorrect, and we're not going to wait for them. So Amen is a part of the bracha, but once the majority have completed the Amen or the bracha, then the botzea can move forward. Now Tosafot over here says that we have a principle that we just laid out in the Gemara, that those that are gathered at the meal cannot taste anything until the one who makes the bracha is tasted. He brings a case, it's a famous case in the Gemara in Arvei Psachim, about making Kiddush on Shabbat morning. And over there, one of the Misubim, one of those that was there, went drank from his cup of wine first, and that's how the individual making Kiddush knew that that was the end of Kiddush on Shabbat morning. Because what asked, how could that person drink from his wine before the Mevarech drank? So Tosua gives an answer here, as well as in Arve Psachim, that the elder individual went ahead, didn't drink, but he leaned over as if he was going to drink. And that was enough to indicate to the Mivarech that that was the end of Kiddush. And therefore he drank first. And then he quotes from the Yushalmi, and he says, If each person has their own individual challah, or every person has their own individual cup of wine, then they can drink before the Mivarech. They don't have to wait or give deference to the Mivarech. And he says, That the Chatan made the Brachva Motzi, and he broke the bread that was in front of him and he ate it, because he didn't have to wait for the Chatan. Sami Kutsi goes even one step further and says that if the Mivarech breaks the bread, hands the portions out, then you do not again have to wait for the Mivarech to eat. You can eat right away as soon as he's dished out the portions to each individual. Because the only time they have a that the Mivarech eats first is when he has yet to give out the portions to other people. Once you're giving out the portions to other people, we don't worry about it. Tosu says, from this you can conclude, you do not have to pour from the coast bracha into the other people's cups if each person has an individual cup in front of them. As long as they have cups and kosot that are kosher the kiddush, and they would have been yotze with those cups then they don't need to have a separate kos brocha from the mivarech. Their cup becomes the kos brocha for them, and they can drink it without getting the wine from the mivarech.
Now the Gemara continues along the topic of Amein. It says, You don't answer an Amein that is either cut off or chatufa for the word chataf patach, velo amein ketufa, and not an amein that is curtailed, velo amein yitoma, or not a disjointed amein, velo izrog bracha mipiv, and a person just threw out a bracha from his mouth. So Rashi explains to us each one of these items. Amein chatufa, according to Rashi, is shakorin eta alef bechataf, velo bekamats. You say the amein either with a chataf patach, but you don't say it with the kamats, which it's supposed to be. It should be amein, Rather than Amein, a Ketufa is where he curtails or cuts short the Nun at the end of the Amein. So he says Amein, and he doesn't say the Nun sound, he doesn't pronounce it. And Velo Amein Yitoma, as Rashi explains, Shalom Shema Bracha. That he didn't hear the Bracha and he answers Amein even though he didn't hear the Bracha. Rashi asks from the Gemara and Sukkah that says that the Shul in Alexandria was so big that they used to have to wave flags for people to answer Amein to the Brachot and to the Kaddish and Kedusha. So how could they do that? They didn't hear the Bracha, that's an Amein Yitoma. So Rashi explains the difference, and Tosafot says the same thing. That in Alexandria, when they waved the flags, they knew which bracha they were speaking about. They knew which bracha they were up to. They knew if they were up to Baruch Shemar. When they waved the flag, that was the Amen for Baruch Shemar. So they knew which bracha it was, they just couldn't hear the bracha. So there you're allowed to answer Amen, it's not called an Amen Yitomah. What we're speaking about over here is where a person doesn't hear the bracha, and he has no idea what bracha was made. In that case, he can't say Amen, because Amen is an affirmation can't affirm something if you don't know what it is that was said. So in the case of Alexandria, where they waved the flags, they knew there was a bracha, and they knew what bracha was said. When they say amen, they can affirm it. But here, if a person walks in, doesn't know what bracha was said, and then just answers amen, that is called an amen yitoma. And lo, Yisrael, bracha mipi, Rashi explains, the person shouldn't just say bracha quickly, or just throw them out, as if he's discharging some sort of burden. He should take them seriously, and show that he has proper kavana when he makes the bracha. Person who answers amen yitoma, his children should be orphans. Chatufa, if he does it in a hurried manner, yechatfu yamav, his days should be hurried or cut off. Kitufa, yechatfu yamav, if he curtails the amen, then his days should also be curtailed. And a person who extends or tarries in the amen, then they will lengthen his days and years. Tosavah points out that that's not too much. If you extend it too much, then you've lost the meaning or the proper pronunciation of the word. So, I mean, you can say it with a slight extension in the vowelization, but you can't make it to the point where the word becomes unrecognizable. Rabbi Shmuel Yatri Bisudoto, Ata Rab Simi Barchia, Haver Kamisarhev Vachil. So, Rabbi and Shmuel were sitting together in a Suda, and then Rab Simi Barchia showed up, and Kamisarhev Vachil. He was quickly trying to eat in order to join with them to make a mizuman. Amalei Rab, Mamadad Chalit, Tarufei Badan. Rab says to him, what are you thinking? You're gonna catch up with us? We finished eating. You're eating now, you're gonna make it into a mizuman? Anachil Nolan, we already finished eating. Amalei Shmuel, Ilumaiti li Ardilaya, Vigozlaya la Abba Miloach Linon. So Rashmuel says back to Rav, and out of respect he calls them Abba. So Shmuel says, if we brought out now Ardilaya, Vigozlaya, these delicacies, mushrooms, and poultry, wouldn't you eat? If we brought out more food that you enjoyed, you would continue to eat. So that's sufficient in order to create the zimun here. Doesn't have to be that all three of them eat together. This doesn't mean that when the third person comes and eats, 
If the other two were brought food, that they would partake of the food. That's enough to join them together in the Mizuman. The Tamidim of Rav were sitting together in a Sudah. Ravacha shows up and they said, Wow, now we have someone who we all respect, someone who is greater than all of us. Let him bench for us. Says, Wait a minute, what do you think? That the big Talmud Chachim is the one who does the Bracha? It's the most important participant in the Sudah that makes the bracha. Not some outsider that came in and now shows up. He can't make the bracha. The gadol is mivareich, even though he comes at the end of the meal. Again, the locha is like what Shmuel stated over here. If the participants in the meal could have continued to eat, then when the last person shows up and eats, they are mitztaref to the mizumun. And just like Shmuel said over here, if you brought me out, our dilaya, which I love, or gozlaya, which Rav loves, we would have eaten. And therefore, we can be mitztaref for simi barachiyah. And as Tosfot points out, when we say that Godom is Vareich, that doesn't mean that he is the only one that can be Mevareich. He gets the right either to do it himself or to delegate that to someone else. And now the Gemara is going back to the Mishnah and discussing the items that are listed in the Mishnah where one is allowed to make his Mizuman over these items. As we mentioned in the Mishnah earlier, all these items are things that have some slight deviance in them and they are close to being an Esau. And therefore you have a Havamino that they shouldn't be able to be included in the Mizuman, and nevertheless we do include them, which is, Achal Demai was the first one. Demai is produce that is purchased from an Ama'aretz, where one is uncertain as to whether they remove the Trumot and Masrot. So, Halo Chazilei. Well, if it's Demai, he can't eat it. If he can't eat it, he said if you eat something that's a Sur, you can't participate in the Mizuman. So, Kevin D. Boy, Mifka, the Hulu, Avavioni. Well, since a person can make a decision to divest of all their assets, and therefore they would be considered to be poor, and they could partake in the Demai, Therefore, it's considered to be ra'oi for him to eat it. Now, we have a Mishnah that says, Machilim et anim demai. You're allowed to feed the poor people demai, vet achsiania demai. Or the troops that are housed in this city, you're allowed to feed them demai. Demai is only a chumra midrabanan. Minatorah, the Amayarets have a chazoko that they take off both trumot and masrot. That was done or known because of an investigation that was done. It showed that rov Amayarets were masrin. They did take off masrot. And truma, which is a minimum amount and is involved with the chiyov, they also definitely took that off. So the Chashash let me the Rabbanan that they didn't take it off. And the Rabbanan gave a dispensation in case of Aniyim, someone who's poor, or in the case of the Achsanya, that you can use Demite. Now, Aksanya, according to Rashi, is Jewish troops that are stationed in the city, and the king obligates the people of the city to feed them and take care of them. Tosafot brings that possibility, as well as the possibility that these are non-Jewish troops that are stationed in the city, that the king insists that the people take care of. But Tevel, when it comes to pure Tevel, that you cannot do. You can't feed that to Anim, and you can't feed that to troops, even non-Jewish troops, because otherwise you're discharging your obligation with Tevel, which you're not allowed to do. But Shemai is of the opinion that you can't give Aniyim, poor people, and the Aksani, the troops, to Mai. As Tosad asks, what is Rabbi Una doing here? What's he telling us? So the answer is that if you find any Tano who has an opinion that Demai cannot be given to Aniyim or to Aksani or to troops, you'll know that that was authored by Beit Shemai, and that is not the Aloha. That has its trumat maser taken off of it. Shita, of course you can bench with that. You can make that into mizuman. No, here was the complication. He went ahead and he took the maserishon while it was still with its stalks. And he took off the Chumat Maser like he was supposed to. But he didn't take off Chumat Gdola. Usually you'd have to wait until what's called Miruach HaKri, till the final Malacha, the Gemar Malacha for that produce. Once you've reached the threshold of Gemar Malacha, 
then you become chayav in Chumot and Masrot. So if, in a normal circumstance, Balabai would give the Chumak Dole to the coin, and only after that would he be mafish to Maiserishon, and with that Maiserishon, the Levi would take off Chumat Maser. But over here, the Levi came and jumped the gun. He took his Maiserishon before we reached the point of Gemar Malacha. It is chayav in Masrot at that point, but it's not yet chayav in Chuma. So he gives that to the Levi. So now the Levi has his Maiserishon before Chumat Gdola was taken off. So technically, he should have to take off Chumat Gdola and Chumat Master from the Maiser Rishon that he has. The Gemara says he doesn't have to do that. He only has to take off Chumat Maser and not Chumat Gedola because of Rabbi Abaud. Amri Baru Amri Shlokish Master Rishon Shikdimo Bishibalim. You take Maiser Rishon when it's still in the stalks. Patur Mitchumat Gedola. There you don't have to give Chumat Gedola. Shenemar Baromotem Mimenu Chumat Hashem Aser Mina Maser. And when you take off the Maiser Rishon, you only have to take off Chumat Maser. You don't have to take anything else off. Maser Mina Maser Marti Lecha. You have to take off Chumat Maser, which is a tenth of the tenth. Velo Chumat Gedola U Chumat Maser. You don't have to take off both Chumat Gedola and Chumat Maser. So you only chayav to take off Chumat Maser. So even though you did something improper by taking the Maiser Rishon early and then giving the Chumat Maser to the Kohen, and from that you exempted yourself from having to give Chumat Gedola. So that is not the optimal way to do this. Nevertheless, you're allowed to bench on that item because that is the aloha if you aren't chayav in Chumat Gedola, even though you went and took the Maizvishim before you should have, before the Chumat Gedola. Why does it have to only be when he takes it when it's still in the stalks? Why doesn't it hold true when he also takes it off after the Gemar Malacha. So fine, after Gemar Malacha also, he'll take off the Maizrishon before he takes off Truma, and you'll be in the same position. So why don't we say the Malacha then as well? Amalei Alecha Amakra. That what you just said, the Pasuk says, Mikol Masrotechem Tarimo. From all your Masrot, you have to take off Truma. They have every type of Truma, Maser, and Truma Gedola. Where it says, Maraita. What's the difference? How come in one case we're insisting that from the Maizrishon you take off Trumat Maser and Trumat Gdola. And the other instance, when the Maitz region were only insisting that you take off Trumat Maser and not Trumat Gdola. So the Gemara's answer is, that's exactly what the difference is. It's a question if you cross the threshold when you become Chayab and Trumat. Hayidgan, once it's already put into the position of Gemara Malocha, it's Dagan, then you're Chayab and Trumat. Once you're Chayab and Trumat, if the lady comes and takes his Maitz region, can't take his Maitz region without dealing with the Trumat Gdola aspect. And therefore he's going to have to give Trumat Gdola and Trumat Maser from his Maitz region. On the other hand, he takes the Maiserishim before Idgan, before it reached the Gemar Malacha. Over there, it was only Chayav in, Ma- in Maisrot, it was not Chayav in Trumai yet. If that's the case, then when he's Mafish that takes the Maiserishim, he has to pay Trumat Maser from it, not Trumat Gedola. Because the obligation of Trumat Gedola has yet to take place. And he's already taken his Maiserishim before that obligation ever starts. Since that obligation never starts, he's only obligated to give Trumat Maser and not Trumat Gedola. This was all to explain what the Chedish is in our Mishnah, about why Maserishim, which you took Trumat Maser off of, is not considered to be Chazile, not considered to be something that is perfectly fine to eat. The problem here is that he took it off in the Shibalim, and he did not take off Trumat Gdola from it. Now, he's not obligated to, but the fact that he did, he caused a loss to the Kohen, because he now was Poter, that which was separated here from Trumat Gdola. Of course, if they're redeemed, then they're fine. They're chulin, and you can eat them and bench with them. In this case, he gave the principal and not the additional fifth. When a person redeems from Hektesh, or he redeems his Maiser Shani, if he is the Balim of those fruit, or that object that was Nigdash, then the Balim not only have to redeem it for its principal amount, they have to add on additional chomish, an additional fifth. So it's called a chomish milabar, or really it's the equivalent of a quarter. So you have to give 125% of the value to redeem 
The underlying Meiser Shani or Hektish. So the Gemara says this is a case where he gave the principal amount, but he did not pay the additional Chomesh. So I would have thought I would have Havamina that the Chomesh is Ma'akev, Kamash Malon, that the Chomesh is not Ma'akev, and if he's paid the principal, that already makes it into something that's Heter Lachila, and he can be Mitzdarif Lazimun. Kamash Malon, and that's what it came to you, Shain Chomesh Ma'akev. Shamasha Chal Kazait. Shamasha eats a Kazait, can be Mitzdarif to the Mizuman. Gemara says again, Pshito. Of course he can. Mao, the Tame, I would have thought Shamash Lokava, that the Shamash never really sat down. The other two were sitting down. The Shemash is serving, going in and out. But he managed to eat a kazayit. So is that enough to be time for him to the Zimun? Does he have to be koveya with them? Or is it enough that he's there with them at the meal and eats a kazayit? That's Gemara's Kamash Milan. You know, optimally, the three people for the Zimun should have sat down together and been Mesiv together. Nevertheless, in this instance, because the Shemash had eaten, and he was present amongst and serving these two individuals, he can't join in the Zimun, even though this is not the optimal way to bring a Zimun together. Akuti mizamnin alav. Akuti, you can make a, a part of a zimun. So Mar says amai lo yel amaretz. Should be no better than an amaretz. Vatanya mizamnin al amaretz. And we have a principle that you do not make a zimun on an amaretz or with an amaretz. So why should a kuti be better than an amaretz? By amar bekuti chaver. By I said we're dealing with a kuti who's a chaver. So therefore, the question about Maritz falls away. There you would have a Havamina that maybe you shouldn't be benching with him. Kamash Malon, that you are allowed to bench with this Kuti. Rav Amar, Filutemi, Bukuti Amaretz. Even if it was a Kuti Amaretz, the din might be different here. Ba'achamba Amaretz, Dirabonon. Tepligi Alei, Dirabi Meir Askinan. Talking about an Amaretz, who has a classification of an Amaretz, according to the Rabbanon, who argue on Rabbi Meir. The Tanyo, because we have a bright Ezo Amaretz. How is someone classified as an Amaretz? Kol she'inu echel chuyo b'tara, divir Rabbi Meir. Anybody that's going to eat his chulin b'tara, which was a chumra of the Chaverim, Rabbi Meir says that's called an Amaretz. V'chamimim, kol she'inu maser perotav kira'oi. Something much more fundamental. Someone who doesn't take off his masrot properly from his perot, from his produce, that's called an Amaretz. Vani kutai, these kutim asurei maser kedichazi. Because as we see and we have witnessed, the kutayim do keep the mitzvah of masrot and they take off trumot masrot debemai debioraita mezuri ziri. Because whatever is written in the Torah explicitly, they are very careful about. And since this is a mitzvah that is written in the Torah, damar called mitzvah shiziku ba kutim or bemidaktim ba yotem yisrael. If the kutim take it up and accept that that is a mitzvah in the Torah, then when they do it, they do it even better than regular chaverim or regular Israel because they are very makpid. On what they keep, they do very well. It's just a question that they don't always keep everything that they should be. The way we solve the problem here, based on this, is the bright before that says, Ein mizamnim ala ama'aretz. We're talking about the ama'aretz that you can't make a zimu at the time of the ama'aretz of the Rabbanon, who say that that has to do with not taking off masrot from his produce. Therefore, the ama'aretz can't be joined in the zimu. But the kuti, even if he's an ama'aretz, we know the kuti is makpid on masrot. Since he's Makbid Amasrot, he can join the Mizuman because he won't be classified as an Amaretz according to the Chachamim. Tarabanan, Ezu Amaretz. And so Rashi points out, Dibu Chachamim Bechomakom. When the Chachamim mentioned this term, Amaretz, what are we speaking about? Kosheno Korek Krishma Shachrit Varit Debirabiliazer. He is not Makabo Omachut Shemayuan himself. Morning and night, he doesn't say Kriyat Shema in the night or in the morning. Rabbi Yeshua Amar Kosheno Menech Tfilin. Rabbi Yeshua says it's more fundamental that Rabbi Yeshua says that someone doesn't put on Tfilin. Someone doesn't wear tzitzit. Someone doesn't have a mezuzah on his doors. 
And when it's children, it doesn't bring them up to the ways of Torah. Even if he learned Torah Shabbat and he learned Torah Shabbat Peh, and he did not serve his Tamil Chacham, he's classified as an Amaretz. Amaravuna, Alochik Achirim. Avuna says Aloch is like the Achirim. That an Amaretz is someone, even if they're knowledgeable in Torah, but they were not Mishamesh Tamil Chachamim, that is classified as an Amaretz. As Rashi points out, he has two possibilities of what that means. Either Shimesh Loshiyesh Tamil Chachamim is he didn't learn Gemara, like what we have here. Gemara, which is asking questions, resolving issues with regards to the Mishnayot. So if he didn't do that or didn't learn by the Tamil Chachim for that, consider it to be an Amaretz. The other possibility is, is even though he has the knowledge of the book, he doesn't know how to practice properly because he needs to be Mishamesh Tamil Chachamim to see how the Torah is put into practice. As Tosua points out, They were not makpid on this, and we commonly bench together in Mizumim with Amayaretz. Rami Barchama lo azmin alayd the Rabbi Nashir bar Tachlifa. Rami Barchama was not willing to include Rabbi Nashir bar Tachlifa in his Mizumim. Tatani sifra v'sifrei. He had learned the Midrashay alachot on Vayikra and Mabin bar Ntvarim. Ve'hochatan ilu al alachot, but he supposedly had not been mishamesh to many chachamim. Kinach nafshei the Rami Barchama. When Rami Rechama passed away, Amarovalo Nachnam Shei Rami Rechama. The reason Rami Rechama passed away was El Dulazmin and Rabbi Nashi Bar Tachlifa because he didn't include Rabbi Nashi Bar Tachlifa in his zimut. Vatanyo Acheriomim Avilu Karav Shanav Lo Shemesh Tachlifim Ezeramaharetz. So we have a brayta that supports that position, Rami Rechama. Why should be punished for the fact that he did what the brayta says? I said Shani Rabbi Nashi Bar Tachlifa the Mesh Malahu the Rabbanon. Rabbi Nashi Bar Tachlifa did service the Rabbana. He was Mishamesh to Tamilich Chachamim. So Rami Bar Chama, who the Lord Daka by trade, but Rami Bar Chama didn't look into it carefully, and it was his mistake. He misjudged Rabbi Nashi Bar Tachlifa. Lishnachrina, the Shamash Shmaita Tamilich Pumayu the Rabbanan, Garslu Kitzubim the Rabbanan Dami. That a person who hears the Memrot from the mouths directly from the Rabbanan, the Tamilich Chachamim, and he learns it over and he goes over it. Ketsumri Rabbanan Dami is like a young Talmud Chacham. And therefore he had that classification being Mishamish Talmud Chachamim. Achal Tevel Umaser Shalonit Natchumato. Now the Mishnah continued to list items that are a surim and you can't join someone who eat these items in your Mizumin. So when it says Tevel, Pshita, Tevel is a sewer. So of course you can't have that person join in the Mizumin. We'll see later on because of the Pesach says, Botzea Beirach Neitz Hashem. That Hashem despises those that break bread over something that is stolen, something that is inappropriate. So that person is not ra'uid to join the Mizumin. So Tevel is pretty straightforward. My Tevel It's only Tevel, rabbinically Tevel. It's not Tevel Mina Torah. In a case where it's planted in a pot that does not have holes in the bottom. Planters that do not have holes on the bottom, they're not considered to be mechuber the karka, and therefore they don't have kedushat Eretz Yisrael, would not have the requirement of chumot masro being removed from them. Rabbinically, they are obligated because they're grown in Eretz Yisrael, even though they're grown in pots that do not have holes in them, because if they're grown with pots that do have holes in them, then they would have a din of being connected to kedushat the Eretz, and you would have to remove the chumot and masro from them. Masarishan shlonit not chumato. Maaser Rishon, where you didn't take off the Chuma, Pshita. If you don't take off Chumat Maaser from the Maaser Rishon, you have a problem. It's Tevel, the Chumat Maaser. And it carries with it a Chiyuv Mita Bidei Shemaim. So, of course, if he eats that, he can't join in the Mizumin. In a case where he went and took it after it already reached the point of Gemara Malacha, after he was already Chayav in Jumot. So, I would have thought, like, at the bottom of the previous Amud, where Rapopa suggested to Abaye, 
that even after Gemar Malof, you should only have to take off Chumat Maser, not Chumat Gedola. Gemar Shvalon, Kedishani The answer is no, that that is not the way we handle it. If you already reached Gemar Malof and you're obligated in Chumat, then you must take off the Chuma first. And if you don't take off the Chuma first, and you take Maiserisha, and you have to remove from that Maiserisha both Chumat Maser and Chumat Gedola. So that's the Chiddush here, is that he took Maiserisha after the create, and he only removed Chumat Maser from it. He didn't remove the Chumat Gedola. And that's why it's considered to be a sur, and that's why it's a Chiddush over here. Maser Sheni, Nifdu. Pshita, again, it's Pshita. If they're not redeemed, then they're Kodesh. So, Tarichash Niftu, Velo Niftu. Teochatam. They were redeemed, but not redeemed properly. Maser Sheni, Kigon Shepadoa, Gabia Simon. Maser Sheni, where he redeemed it on a coin that was not minted, or did not have an image engraved on it. Rahman Amar, and the post says, Vitzarta Kesef Biyadecha, that you will carry the money in your hand. And the Gemara Dash is with Tzarta Vitzura, that it has to be a coin that has a Tzura on it, otherwise you cannot use it to redeem. The Maishashini, so here you use the Nasimon. Nasimon is a coin without any image, or without any imprint on it. If you use that, you cannot redeem the Maishashini with that coin. And by... Hegdesh, Shechilolo Agarei Karka, that he tried to redeem it by transferring the Gdusha onto land. Velo Bedol Bekesef, and he didn't do it with money. That he gives the money, and then the property will come to him. But it has to be something come low, something where he can make our proper Kenyan on the Hektesh with. So Kesef works as the proper Kenyan for Hektesh. Karko is one of the items that is excluded to be used for the redemption of Hektesh. So if he used Karko, that is Hektesh that still remains Hektesh, and it cannot be Mitzitayf Lemezuman. Shemash ate less than a Kazayit. He cannot join the Zimun. Umar says, Pshita, of course not. That's the threshold. The kazai is a threshold to be part of the mizimun. So why should a shamash who ate less than a kazai be able to join? When it says, I did tiny reisha kazai, tiny seifa pogum kazai, and ochanami. There's no chiddush in this statement of the seifa. Just to keep parallel structure with the reisha. As in the reisha, he ate a kazai, and that was a chiddush already because we allowed him to join the mizumun even though he was walking around. But that's he had to eat a kazai as a minimum. But the opposite of that is the case where he had less than a kazai. Again, there's no chiddush in that. Of course, he can't join the mizumun, but to keep a parallel structure in the mission, as always mentioned. When you're talking about Torah Shabbal Peh, where people have to memorize Mishnayot, parallel structure is important because it's easier to memorize things when they're parallelly structured or in balance. If you have one case that's in the ratio and not in the Seifa, again, it makes it more difficult in terms of memorization. And that's what Mar says here. It's just about parallel structure in the Mishnah. But Achriyim is Aminelav, and non-Jew, you cannot have him join the Mizumin. Pshita, again, that's pretty straightforward. Why would you think he could? Sometimes in the process of conversion, where he already has Milah done for the conversion, but he has yet to go to the Mikvah. That a Ger, to be a full convert, must have his Milah done and go to the Mikvah. As long as he hasn't gone to the Mikvah, he still has the Din of a Nachri. When it comes to these three classes of individuals, you can't have them join the Mizimun. When it comes to a katan who's in a crib, a baby in a crib, you can make a zimun with him. Vatnan, what about our Mishnah? Pretty straightforward, you can't make zimun with a minor. When it says, Rabbi Yossi holds like Rabbi Shul ben Levi. The other possibility in the gears of before was Amar of Asi. And then it would be Asi who's holding like Rabbi Shua ben Levi, which would make more sense in terms of the time period of the Tanaim. Even though you can't make a proper zimun on a baby, but he can be one of the ten. If you only have nine, you can have this baby join in as your tenth for the ten to say the Shem Hashem. If you have nine plus an Evet, they are Mitzterif. Is that really true? 
He came to Shul, and they didn't have a minion. And he freed his slave. And that's how they got the minion. When it says, he shichrer in, lo shichrer lo. They told him if he freed him. Had he not freed him, it wouldn't have worked. So Mara says, no, the case here was trade, Strichu. They needed two to make up the minion. They had eight. So shichrer had, he freed one slave to be number nine. And then number 10 was the slave. Like Rabbi Shulab ben Levi had said, the 10th slave made up the 10th one for the minion. How did Rabbi Elezer do this? Anybody who frees a Evan Kanani violates a mitzvah that you should enslave them and have them work for you forever, for eternity. If you free them, then you're in violation of that assay. So it says, the Devar mitzvah shiny. If it's for a mitzvah, that's different. Where it says, mitzvah baba averahi. Oh, that's not just a regular mitzvah. This is a mitzvah that's coming through an avera. You're in violation of Masay to do the mitzvah of tefillah b'tzibur or to have a minion. Where it says, this is even more important mitzvah because it's mitzvah the rabbim shiny. It's not just a mitzvah, but it's a mitzvah that the public benefits from because this makes a minion for this individual now make a minion for everybody. So in that instance, we allow you to waive the assay or violate the assay in order to accomplish a mitzvah dirabim. A person should always try to be early to shul, so that he should be amongst the first ten that come. Because even a hundred people come afterwards, he gets the reward for all of them. He gets the reward for all of them. How can you say that? Of course they get their reward. If they show up to minion, they get their own reward. Why should he get their reward? That his his reward is greater than all those that come afterwards because he was of the first ten that were there. It comes to nine people and the Aron HaKodesh to Mitzterayf. Since when is the Aron a tenth person? Since when is he a person? You need ten. Ram Ravuna Tisha Nirin Kasara Mitzterfin. If you have nine that look like ten, they can meet the Raif. Question of how they're distributed. Some people say when they're gathered together, nine looks like ten and it's fine. And some say when they're all spread out, it looks like nine's bigger than that and really ten. Am Rabbiami Shnaim Bishabat. If you have two people ate together plus Shabbat, they make up the Mizumin for three Mitzterfin. They can join together. Amalei Rav Nachman, Rav Nachman poses the same question again, which is the Shabbat Gavru. Since when is Shabbat a person that you can join him to the Mizuman? That learn together and they sharpen each other in Alacha. Mitztarfim, they can be Mitztareif, and that's enough. They can make a Mizuman. Rav Chista, Kagon Anav Rav Sheshit. Chista waved and pointed out, that's like me and Rav Sheshit. Rav Sheshit, Rav Sheshit indicated. That kagon on of Rav Chisda, like I am Rav Chisda, that's considered to be two tamei chalamim amichadidim zedzeb alacha. Tosafot points out over here, based on this gemara that we just saw, that when we said mitzvah the rabbim shiny, that the mitzvah of the public is different because we allow you to violate the asay mina Torah. So the bahag is of the opinion that if someone has a mate that passed away during Yontov or Cholomoed, then when it comes to the last day of Yontov, the eighth day, which is clearly a day of Yontov Midra Banan, that a person can have a velut on that day. There can be no egg of velut. They also were no egg to bury the mateim on the second day of Yomtov. Because in Ochanam, we know it's really cold. It's only min al-gabotenu And the reason the Bag says that Avelut applies to the last day of Yomtov, because how could you have a mitzvah dirabonon come and knock off a mitzvah doraita? You have mitzvah of Avelut, which is a Torah according to the Bag, And you have Yomtov Sheni, which is only a din dirabonon. So how could you have a din dirabonon come and be okay or a mitzvah doraita? So it says, 
the bag is wrong. Because look at our Gemara. Our Gemara is a case where he frees an Evid, which is a violation of a mitzvah that say Minatorah, and yet he's allowed to do this in order to make the minion. Well, that minion is only a din derabonon. So that's what Tosot says. You can see that sometimes dini derabonon do override dini derabonon. Therefore the Bahag is wrong because it could be that the Simcha of Yom Tov Shini and the requirement to be noog yom tivshini, which is only a rabbinic mitzvah, will override the vilutio right? Okay, the next Gemara is very difficult. It leads to major machloket amongst the Rishonim. There's a large Tosafot on the beginning of Memchedem and Aleph, discusses this issue, and it relates back to the sugya that we just started, which is this idea of katan being mitzvah. The ability of a katan to be mitzvah to ten in a zimun, the ability of a cousin to mitzvah to the ten of a minion. The ability of a cousin to mitzvah to the three of a zimun. All of those are questions which the Rishonim are dealing with. And how they read this next Gemara will influence what they think about each of those items. So we'll just read the Gemara simply up front the way that Rashi explains it. And then we'll come back and speak about how the other Rishonim deal with it. Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Katan poreach mezamnin alav. Katan who is poreach. Here we don't have a definition of what this word poreach means. It's from the word pricha, which means to sprout forth or to bloom. That katan pricha, you can make a zimun on him. Tanya nami yochi. We have a brayta that supports that statement of Yochanan. Katan shevish te se'arot mizamnin alav. A katan that has reached puberty, you can make a zimun on him. Bishloi vish te se'arot. If he has not reached the age of puberty, in mizamnin alav. And then the brayta continues. Ve'im edakta kim bekatan. We're not so careful with the katan whether he has or has not reached puberty. Mar says agufa kasha. That's internally inconsistent. There you had a black and white definition, objective definition of when he's a gadol. If he's hit the age of puberty, yes. If he has two sarot, two pubic hairs, then he's a gadol. If he has less than that, he's a minor. But then you sit afterwards in the bright, Sounds like you don't have to worry about a katan at all. And we allow him to do everything that gadol can do, even though he might be a katan. What is that? idea of saying we're not medactic about what the status of the katan is, must be that the bright is coming to include a gaze of katan pareach. When it comes to puberty, that is the determining factor whether someone is of age or not of age. But there's also another instance, which is a katan pareach, as Rashi says, Rashi says it's a case where you don't worry about whether he's reached the age of 13 or not, because he's reached the age of puberty. So even if he hits puberty before the age of 13, that's generally he would be considered to be a minor. Nevertheless, for this ability to be mitztarif to the zimun, he'll be considered like a gadol. The Gemara says, The Allah is not like anything we said until now. Again, this is a machloket rishonim about how much we're rejecting of what we said before. Ella, kiyadama Rav Nachman, but the Allah is like Rav Nachman, damar katano yodel mibavachim izamnim alav. Ekatan, who knows to whom we are mivarech? You can make a zimun on him. Abayi were present before rabbo. There's also another possible girsa that the Rabbi Kivayker brings down in the Bahag. He says the girsa is Abayi verova bar Rav Chanan, not just rabbo. They were sitting in front of rabbo, their Rebbe. Amalu rabbo the mivarechim. He asked them this question: To whom do we make a bracha? Samalei the Rachmano to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. Verachman Kodesh Baruch Hu, where does he sit? Where is he? Rav Achvei Lishmei Talalo. Rav pointed his finger up to the roof, to the rafters. Abai Enofek, the Barov Achvei Kalapei Shmei. Abai went outside and pointed up to the heavens. Menu Rabbo, Tarvaychu Rabbanon Avitu. 
Both of you are going to be big Rabbanim, big Tamirei Chachamim. And this is the colloquialism or the common phrase or saying that is said by people. Botsin, botsin, mikatve yediyah. Gourds or pumpkins can be discerned from when they're small, from their stalk, from their beginnings. And so to over here, these young children, we could already see from their actions and their behavior now, what they would be in the future. So again, now we're going to have to come back and explain how we shouldn't deal with this. Abayin Rava clearly are not katanim porchim, they're not a katan poreach. And here, Rabba's testing if they know hulumi mevarchim. So we're suggesting over here that the halacha is that you just need to know the mimim and even a bayi rav would be included in a zimun. Or is this just a way to show what it means, the mimim But it's not the only qualification for a cotton to be considered or classified as being of age.